Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Isaiah 30, starting with verse number one, the Bible says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Skipping down to verse 7, if you will. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, Their strength is to sit still. Their strength is to sit still. Amen. For a little while this morning, I want to minister along this line of thought. The strength of tomorrow. The strength of tomorrow. Amen. If you'll help me right now, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you this morning. I pray, oh Lord, today. God, I'm grateful. God, for being in your house. Grateful, Lord Jesus, for being with your people today. I pray, oh Lord, we need, oh Lord, a fresh touch of heaven. God, I pray, oh Lord, God, bring strength, God, to every tired body. I pray, oh Lord, a keenness and awareness, God, of mind. God, I pray, Jesus, this morning, mark every distraction from us. God, so that we can concentrate, Lord, upon you. I know, God, that you're capable, Lord, of helping us today. We need your spirit. We need your power. Lord, in this place, God, if heaven could touch us this morning, God, we desire it, God, to touch us. The lovely name of Jesus Christ, God, that I pray. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The strength of tomorrow. The context and the setting of Scripture in which I read to you this morning, speaking about the Jewish people, particularly the ambassadors of the Jewish people. They are in a very troublesome time. They are in a situation and position where the land of Assyria and the people of Assyria are coming against them, combating them, frustrating many of their efforts, their normal life and livelihood. And so with this trouble and with this frustrated position, Uh, the Jewish ambassadors decide within themselves that they must do something. They cannot stay particularly where they are and they cannot contend with the strength of Assyria that is battling against them. So uh, they believe that they're going to have to go on a journey, that they're going to have to escape all of this by going to another land. And as their response was to the trouble that they presently found themselves in, had been, uh, for the most part, a popular response that Israel had any time she found herself in trouble. And that was not to stay where she is and drive her stake deep. 
and depend upon her Lord and her Savior that she testified with her lips was her true God. But the tragedy of Israel oftentimes when she found herself in trouble was to somehow always gravitate toward Egypt. There was something about it. When famine entered the land, you seen the people going toward Egypt. Whenever trouble and circumstances arose that was beyond their control, that was beyond their handling, it seems like, I don't know why it was, but they would turn an eye toward Egypt. And so the scripture in in Isaiah 30 is these people, the Jewish ambassadors and the people that are on their way to Egypt because of trouble that Assyria is bringing upon them. And because of this tragedy, here they are now. They believe that they are going to go down to Egypt and that they're going to find some security there. That Egypt will have for them their answer. It will have the solution to their problem, that Egypt will be able to provide for them where what their homeland is seemingly to their their understanding is not providing. Egypt will be able to provide some protection. Egypt will be able to provide some comfort. Yet, as they are making their travel down to Egypt, and always note in Scripture that when you go to Egypt, it it is a travel and a path of descent. You always go down to Egypt. You're never going up to Egypt. You're always going down to Egypt. And as they are going down to Egypt, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to this people. And he calls them rebellious children. Rebellious children because there's problem and circumstances all around them. And they've not looked to the aid of the Lord. They've not chosen him as their first resort. They've not looked to the one that they proclaim to everybody around them that our God is our God. He's strong and he's mighty and he's courageous. And it's as though those are things that they have spoken with their lips, but their trust and their courage is not really founded in that because their actions are saying quite something different whenever trouble has come upon them. And the Lord is speaking to them now. And he says to them that you're taking counsel but you're taking counsel of the Egyptians. You're taking counsel of the powers and the kings that be there and you have a hope that is in them. And he's trying to relate to them that the hope that you have is really a false hope. What you're really looking for in Egypt, Egypt cannot provide you. What you're looking for, an answer in a place where it cannot be found. You're, you're looking for a covering. You're looking for protection. He said, but you've not even inquired about my spirit that's able to shelter you under the wings of my spirit. You've not inquired about me, but you're looking unto Egypt. And he says, what this is going to do for you, it's going to do nothing but add sin to sin. In other words, whenever you're looking for protection, you're going to find more evil. When you're, when you're looking Looking for an answer, it's just going to provide greater confusion. It's just not, it's not going to help you in your trouble, but it's going to make the waters a little bit more muddy. It, it's going to cause it to be a little bit more frustrating. The very thing that you thought would offer help, it's just going to intensify, more confuse the situation. He says, because you're going down into Egypt, you've asked help of them, but you've not asked it of my mouth. You've not inquired of the Lord concerning this. You're going to strengthen yourselves with the strength of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You're, you're, you see his power. You, you see that they are a great empire and that they have a lot of strength and they have a lot of clout and there's a lot of respect of them among the nations because of their size and, and because of their granaries and because of their land and because of their gold and because of their silver and 
so you're looking to a great monarch of power and strength he said but you've not trusted in my strength you're, you're trusting in the shadow of Egypt but you've not considered my power my strength he says but I'm here to tell you that the strength of Pharaoh everything that you see that seems to be powerful and mighty in Pharaoh it's going to be to your shame it's going to be to your demise you put your trust in something that is going to provide nothing but confusion for you can someone say amen, amen. putting the trust in Egypt in Egypt. Egypt oftentimes throughout scripture has been denoted or typical of the world. Putting your trust in Egypt. Thinking the answer is going to come from there. Thinking your hope is going to be secure there. But the Lord's telling them you're making a grand mistake here. You're making a grand mistake here. What you're looking for will not be found. You will not find the answer. You will not find the solution. The protection will not be known there because it cannot be found in Egypt. I believe that the scripture declares for us concerning in contrast to this idea of Egypt it bespeaks to us about how wonderful how immediate how present our God is David in Psalms 46 and 1 a psalm that many may perhaps know belts out and the Bible says the little superscript of the scripture says a song upon Alamoth meaning it was in the high shrilling notes that this was to be declared that God God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A great statement that all of us have drawn to love. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The word present in the Old Testament Hebrew is interpreted as is found or has been found. In other words, he is, he is a very found or has been found help in trouble. In other words, God has proved himself to be a help in trouble. God is an accessible help. The word very does nothing but denotes how emphatically the statement is true that God is a found help has been found a help. It's not that he's presently a help, but in past circumstances and past situations of life, God has been known to be a help. God has been known to be a rescuer. God has been known to be a problem solver. God has been known to be our defense and our rock and our strength. He has been known to be everything that we had need of. He's been known to be our answer. He's been known to be our healer. He's been known to be our provider. So as we approach him, we're not taking a chance on God, but we're approaching something that's tried and true and settled. We've known him to be all these things before he's a very present help that's the reason why the writer went on to say he said therefore as a result of God being a very present help because of him being firm because of him being founded and have found to be a help but Bible tells us plainly then therefore that we don't have to worry about fearing that whenever the earth may shake or be removed or carried away or the roaring of the oceans would come against our life we do not have to fear why because God is our refuge and our strength a very present found help in trouble someone say amen That seems oftentimes to be the character of our God. 
he's found and has been found to be a present help, a very present help. No greater truth that we've seen throughout scripture of a God that is there, a God that is anxious to involve himself when we're ready for him to get involved. Amen. I know there are times in scripture that the Bible says that there seems to be somewhat of a delay in the actions of God somewhat of a delay in the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. We understand that four days have passed before he reaches there to Lazarus's amen, grave, but we understand the purpose. The purpose in the delay was for the glory. We understand at different places in scripture, amen, he did not get, amen, to the one, Jairus' daughter, who was dead perhaps by the time he got there, but we understand the purpose. There's a delay because he's helping somebody else that has been there for 12 years, so if there's ever a delay there's usually a purpose in God's delay he doesn't just delay to delay and nor does he delay because he's delinquent because God's very present I see more times throughout scripture concerning the presence of this God I read throughout the New Testament scripture and I read very plainly like in Matthew chapter number 8 the Bible says that there was a leper that came unto the Lord. And he says, Lord, I will, if thou wilt, makes me clean. The Bible says, not two days later, not a moment even perhaps later, but the Lord touched him. And the Bible describes it like this. And immediately, everybody say immediately. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. The Bible says there's two blind men as the Lord is leaving a certain town and city. They cry out unto the Lord. What are they desiring? They're wanting to receive their sight and the Bible says that the Lord places his hands upon these blind men and the scripture records in Matthew chapter number 20 and immediately their eyes received sight the Bible says that the Lord comes into the house of Simon Peter's mother-in-law she's grievously vexed with a fever she's overtaken by it but the Bible says he takes her by the hand and the scripture records in Mark 31 and immediately Immediately, the fever left her. There's a man with palsy. He's been bed confined for many, many years, unable to walk, unable to do for himself without the assistance of others. But in Luke chapter number eight, the Lord speaks to that man that was unable to do anything. And in a moment said, arise. And between the moment he said, arise, something happened, the Bible says, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. It dried up. It was no more. Someone say amen. So I have, I have evidence time and time again of God's people being in a situation. God's people needing healing. God's people being in trouble. And God interacting and the thing being said and done immediately. Very present. The Bible says of another lady with a spirit of infirmity that she had for 38 years. She was bowed over. She could not make herself straight. But she was in the synagogue that day. His eyes laid upon her. The Bible says that he touched her and immediately she was made straight. Someone say hallelujah. Immediately. Immediately. Someone say immediately. <laughs> So we have a people that are searching for and wishing to bide under the shadow of the power and the strength of Pharaoh. Yet on another hand, according to David and the different illustrations through New Testament scripture, we see the power, the ready availability 
of the presence and the power and the action in the intervention of God. Someone that's able in a moment to take care of it. They kind of turn head and turn back to go to Egypt searching for the power of Pharaoh. The Bible even says in 2 Chronicles 15, 4, it says, but when they, speaking of the children of Israel, but when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. I mean, why, why would you want to search anywhere else? Why would you want to go anywhere else? Why would you want to put your stock or your faith or your trust in anything else? Because I'm talking about something that's proven here. Emphatically proven here of his ability and many times his instantaneous ability to perform and do. That if it is prolonged, it's not because he wasn't able. It's because by his own sovereign power he chose to delay for purpose. Why would all this be? the case if you'll turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter number 8 we have a powerful God strong God the Bible says in Exodus 8 we'll get to my sermon here in a bit the Bible says in verse 8 this is where the series of the plagues has already started among the children of Israel, among the Egyptians. And uh, if I may say, and I, I don't know where everybody falls on this line, Scripture is somewhat silent, so you either have to make some inferences about what really takes place because it's not until we read concerning the plague of the flies that the Lord it's particularly mentioned in scripture that there will be a division between his people the Israelites and the Egyptians the plagues that precede that the first three that precede that there's nothing stated that there would be a difference made in other words that it would only affect the Egyptians and not the Israelites you can read in scripture it's silent there I know as a result of that Many times there's the inference made then uh, that the Israelites were never affected by none of them. And you, you can have that, you can have that idea and that persuasion, but you will not find it spelled out in Scripture either way. Some others may have the, the inference and say, well, the first three plagues affected all people. That possibly could have been as well. I have no idea concerning Scripture whether that was the case or not. But considering for a moment that we could go either direction with that, that gives me some play. Being that we could go either direction with that, let's assume, and I'm saying basically assume, let's basically assume for the purpose this morning that those first three plagues were affecting all people that were in Egypt, whether you were in Goshen or not, all people, including the Israelites. Meaning that the plague of blood, the water that turned to blood, the Nile River, amen, and the fish that died therein, that affected everybody. Number two, the second plague that came upon them is what I read of are the plague of the frogs. The frogs that came out of the water. It was common for frogs to be among the people, amen, at certain seasons, but now they are in a superabundance, and it is just an absolute epidemic of frogs. 
I don't know if anybody likes frog legs, but if so, you've probably been in a good place maybe uh, during this time back in the Old Testament. But nevertheless, there were frogs so abundant. The Bible says that they were in the bedchamber. They were on the beds. They were in the house. They were among the servants. They were in your ovens. Now, lady, how would you like next time you go open your oven, out came a pile of frogs? I don't remember putting that in there. <laughs> frogs everywhere. Frogs in the kneading troughs. Made dough and bread. There's frogs in the kneading troughs. It's, I mean, it's even overtaking the people, coming upon the people. There are frogs everywhere. And the, the magicians of Pharaoh were even able to cause frogs to come upon the people as well. Now, we've already had the blood that took place, and now we're at the moment in time that, that here are the frogs. We don't see any entreaty, if you will, of Pharaoh concerning the blood whenever the waters were turned to blood. No entreaty of him for you know, lifting this and just cause this to be done with and so. But we do at the second plague of the frogs coming up on the people in verse 8, Exodus 8, verse 8. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord because that had been the plea for Moses all along. Let us go so we make sacrifices. A three days journey into the wilderness and do so. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, now this is Pharaoh. Listen to me, folks. I know we're going back in time a little bit, but this is Pharaoh. This is the king of Egypt. The one that those in Isaiah, this is the land that they're wishing to go down to. Those in Isaiah, these are the ones that they're hoping to find their comfort and power in, the power and the strength of Pharaoh. And yet at this point in the history of the children of Israel, Moses is saying to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh's pleading, I want you to do something about this overtaking of frogs and the beds and the oven and the kneading troughs, all this. I need your help, Moses. I need the help of your God. Isaiah and their people are looking to the power of Pharaoh. And in the history, Pharaoh was looking to the power of God. And so he asked Moses and said to Pharaoh, he said, glory over me. He said, when shall, look, this is very important. When shall I entreat for thee, for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only? And Pharaoh's response was this. He said, tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people and they shall remain in the river only. Frogs has come up everywhere. With our assumption, they're in every house, every bed, every kneading trough. This is frustrating. This is cumbersome to roll over and croak is all you hear. This is a nuisance. And if you consider through the eyes of the children of Israel, those that have already been in bondage for 400 years that have lost some of their family and grandparents right there in Egyptian bondage under hard taskmasters and seemingly ever since Moses has arrived, things not gotten better. They've gotten worse. Matter of fact, some of them cried out to Moses in so many words. Moses, you said you were our deliverer. If this is what you call deliverance, count me out. 
Because ever since you got here, things have just gotten worse and worse. So there is frogs everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're a pauper or if you're in the palace of Pharaoh. There are frogs all over the place. And Pharaoh's entreating Moses, wanting to entreat the Lord, saying, get me out of this mess. Get these people out of this mess. We're tired of the frogs. We're tired of them being in our kneading troughs and in our beds. We're tired of all this trouble and this frustration and all this circumstance. And Moses says, that's fine. That's okay. He says, you tell me when you want God to answer this. You tell me when you want me to ask God to take care of all this dilemma. And the reply of Pharaoh was tomorrow. Remember back in Isaiah 30, the Lord already spoke to the children of Israel. He said, you're gonna be shamed by Pharaoh. You're gonna be shamed by his power. You're looking for an answer and you're not gonna find it. Why? Because the strength of Egypt and the strength of Pharaoh, their strength is to sit still. It's never today. It's always tomorrow. No, 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 no. You, you know, we, we live in a life where someone say, you know, why do today what you could do tomorrow? It's called procrastination. Procrastination is the vice of the world. Procrastination is the vice of Pharaoh. If you ever go down into Egypt and you ever want to be let go, the voice will always be tomorrow. The strength and the power of tomorrow is this. It keeps you from having today. It keeps you from having today what you're gonna have to just suit for tomorrow. Amen, the voice of the world and the voice of the empire of the world is this. They're saying, yeah, I'm troubled, I'm perplexed, I want out of this, and the voice of tomorrow is always there. Not today, but tomorrow. Why, because it's stealing from you the very thing that you could have today. What in the world got in the mind of Pharaoh? What got in the mind of Egypt for them whenever they could have been delivered, when they could have been set free today? He could have said, I want it right now. Why? Because God is a very present help. I want release right now because God can do things immediately but the voice of the world is this. It's always tomorrow. It's always another day. The voice of Egypt is always tomorrow because they'll sit on our pew. They'll come in with their frustrations. They'll come in with their lives that are broken in shambles. They want freedom. They want out of this. But you know what? They went down to Egypt, a place that could give them no help, a place that's just gonna make them shame. And the power and the strength of Egypt is to always put off what you could get today until tomorrow, just pushing it again in the future. There's many souls today that's not sitting on the apostolic church pew because they've been taken by the spirit of Egypt that said tomorrow, don't go pray now, go pray next service. Don't give God your life now, go give it some other time. There's a strength in the power of tomorrow. Uh, someone say yes. Don't put your hope in Egypt. Don't put your hope in the world. They'll just constantly push off what you can have today because with God, you can have it today. With God, you can have it right now. That's the reason why he spoke a New Testament scripture. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time. But the spirit of the world is saying, tomorrow. Someone say amen. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. 
said, the Assyrians are coming upon you. You're being frustrated by their efforts. And you're going to go sit under the hand of someone who is a tomorrow man? See, the, you got to understand that today. That the strength of tomorrow is that it steals from what you, it steals today. It steals from your today of what you can have. I just really don't feel like cleaning those windows I'm going to do that tomorrow well that's great and that's fine but that verbiage tells me you stow away from your life clean windows for today alright oh God anytime you push it forward It's still there to be contended with. See, one of the great tragedies for the children of Israel, and we thank God and we denote and we understand all the symbolism. We're thankful for the day of atonement. We're thankful for sacrifice. We're for that was for the sin. But you know really what all that came down to? A tomorrow. Because it pushed everything forward for another year. It wasn't until the life of Christ that came into the picture of New Testament Scripture that he took their tomorrow and turned it into a today. He took their tomorrow of, we'll see all of these sins next year to that we're not gonna see these sins anymore because he's a God of the today. He's changing his people from a spirit of Egypt of tomorrow to a spirit of today. Amen. I've known sometimes, you know, I've come in and even said myself, God, I'm tired. I'll just give it my best effort. Next time, let me tell you folks, whenever I do it next time, I done stole myself of what was readily available to me in that moment, in that service, in that time. Amen. Will you pray for me? Rather than taking on the moment to pray right then, we'll say, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll get to it. Amen. No, no, no. Take advantage of the now hour because you are not serving a God of Egypt. You are not under the power of Pharaoh you are under the power of God and David says therefore although the earth trembles and the seas may roar I can call unto God why he's a very present he's a found help he's tried he's true he's established he's a God of today I'm not going to allow the strength of Egypt that says they can set still be sufficient for my life amen And so the voice and the response of Pharaoh would carry the deliverance from the frogs for all who were affected by it. You could probably come up with different responses if you were to ask each individual. But they were under the power of Pharaoh. And in Isaiah, they're wishing to go set themselves back under the power of Pharaoh. Can I say it like this? That even some that wish desire to go and have rid of the frogs wasn't going to have rid of the frogs because of the power of Pharaoh said, let's do it tomorrow. Let me tell you something this morning. When you go down into Egypt, it isn't always going to be when you're ready to get out of Egypt when it happens. It's going to be at the discretion of the power of Pharaoh and his voice is always going to be tomorrow. Bible tells us in scripture the story is recorded 
of Acts 24, the Apostle Paul has been put in shackles. He's been put in chains. He's been brought before differing people. He's been sharing his message of Christ, been sharing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ at each juncture in the road. There's been false accusers against him, yet it seems as though none could somehow put him to uh, his crucifix or put him to uh, death with what they were trying to conjure up about him. And so he made his appeal unto Caesar, and along the way he came by a certain route by the name of Felix, a man by the name of Felix. And as was the case in each place that he stopped, he would tell his story, his side of the story, and the relationship with God and what God had done for him in his life. And the Bible speaks that Felix is sitting there and he is a, he is a ruler and he is an uh, individual that has Paul incarcerated. And as Paul is speaking unto Felix about the word of the Lord and speaks to him about the grandeur of God, the righteousness of God, the power to raise up a dead body, amen, Jesus Christ that lives on for continually. The Bible says in Acts 24 and 25 that as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, this is Felix reasoning all this, he's pondering the words of Paul. He's thinking about the testimony of Paul. He's thinking about this death and this burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's thinking about the pending end of the world and all of this that's taken place. He's thinking about judgment to come, that while Felix ponders and thinks upon these things, the Bible says that Felix trembled he trembling at the words of Paul trembling at the testimony of Paul and this is the answer that he gives unto Paul he says go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season I'll call for you what was going on Felix was being convicted Felix was feeling a shift in his life about where he was and where he ought to be had a grand impact upon him but you know what was seemingly stronger at that moment than the words that Paul was speaking to him? It was the spirit of Egypt that was upon him that rather than saying, go on and stay a little while, I want to hear some more about this today. He says, go on your way and maybe perhaps tomorrow. Maybe perhaps tomorrow. Listen, folks, if it was up to the spirit of Egypt... The lady with the issue of blood would still have her issue. If it was up to the spirit of Egypt, those two blind men that sought after the Lord would still be walking around blind. If it was up to the spirit of Egypt, that man that was sick of palsy that could do nothing for himself, had no motivation, could not move, would still be incapacitated today. If it was for the spirit of Egypt, that leper would still have sores, losing appendages of his body. If it was the spirit of Egypt, but the spirit of Christ is not tomorrow. The spirit of Christ is today. The spirit of Christ is liberty now, freedom now, salvation now, deliverance now, healing now. Egypt's the only one that ever says tomorrow. Someone say hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there are certain things that arise in, in life. Man, I don't really want to wait till tomorrow. You know, there are certain times that I'm glad places stay open 24 hours a day. 
There's certain times I'm glad they're open. So I had to say, Lord, don't strike me dead seven days a week. We were back in closer a few months back when there was that conference there over at Henderson some of you went to. Prior to that conference, so on a Wednesday night, I was over there getting packed and ready to go for the next day. And my dad was going to go the next day as well. And uh, I got a call from him that night, and he said, Son, I don't know if I, there's that son. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go tomorrow. I said, Why not? He said, We hear some water running underneath the trailer. I said, Well, that's, that's horrible. You need anything? Oh, I don't need your help. It's all right. We'll get to it. I'm just letting you know. I went on, packed my things, and I responded like he would respond if I called him about that. So I got dressed and I went over there. It's late. We tore the carpet out of the bathroom. We tore the subfloor up. And lo and behold, there she was. The spraying of the water from some connection that was going over to the toilet and bathroom sink. Just spraying. Now, trailers have particular hookups. They're just not like a regular house. You know, I know, I know how we are. You know, you just keep some of those on hand just in case something happens. But this is a trailer. Man, it's just spraying a little, but a little, you know, over. If it's going to continue at that, it's probably going to get bigger. And, it's, you know, it's probably going to get worse. We don't have nothing on hand to be able to take care of that. I wish, I, I wish there was a store open about now, you know. I wish something that, that carried that that I needed. But you know what? We, he was going to have to stay back. He's going to have to contend with that tomorrow. I guarantee you. Now, see what, what, what the problem with tomorrow for him was. He was going to have to shut off the water. Listen to me. The problem with tomorrow for him was he wasn't going to be able to just continue to let that leak under there. He's going to have to shut off all the water in the house until tomorrow. You're going to flush the toilet with whatever water you got, maybe fill up a few buckets just in case you're just a frequenter at night, you know, in order to get everything taken care of. But you're, you're going to have to do that till tomorrow. And the difficulty of the situation is he didn't make it to conference that next day because he had to contend with tomorrow. And tomorrow kept him from going to the conference, hearing the word of the Lord. I know it probably been good for his life and everything. But the, you know what? Because it wasn't there today, he, because of the strength of tomorrow, the strength of tomorrow kept his water shut off all night without water. The strength of his tomorrow kept him from going where he needed to go. That is the whole difference between today and tomorrow. Because the strength of tomorrow will keep certain things out of your life. It will shut some things off in your life that won't be able to get there until tomorrow comes. Some people want to go on, but you can't go on as long as you're still waiting on tomorrow. That's people that walk in here with situations, conditions. What is this to say? Man, I just want to get on with life. But as long as you're under the spirit of Egypt, Egypt's saying tomorrow. Someone say amen. <laughs> you can stand with me this morning. So David, based upon prior experience, says, God is a present help. He has been found to be. He has been found to be a help. In other words, there are scenarios and episodes that let me declare that he has been help. 
And so with all of that as a setting and a background and what's happened in Exodus as a background, we come to Isaiah. We understand then how strong and emphatic the words are to the children of Israel now that's resorting back to Egypt. Why are you going back there? We know per David, he's a today God. Why are you going? Why are you going under the power of Pharaoh? We know concerning our history that Pharaoh, they have the power, yeah, the power to sit still, the power to do nothing, the power to proclaim, hey, we'll give you what you need, not today, but tomorrow. Maybe perhaps not directly in this sense, but you see Pharaoh constantly, every time his heart's being hardened, he's going to let God's people go. What happened? He didn't let him go. He's going to let him go. He's not going to let him go. Why? Because the spirit of Egypt is this. Every time he tells you what you could have today, he'll give you tomorrow. Tomorrow, he'll tell you he'll give it to you tomorrow. It's never today for the spirit of Egypt. It's never today. It's always tomorrow. So I'm asking this group of people today, what, what, what is it that you may have walked in here with this morning? What frustration? What trouble, what sickness, what disease, what peril is it that you brought in here? I know per David that our God is a very present help. He's a very, he is founded to be a very present help. I'm telling you today, don't turn to Egypt. Don't turn to the world or the spirit of Pharaoh or that world because they'll have you in a perpetual mode of waiting, a perpetual mode of just vying for that very thing that you desire and want. But it'll always be tomorrow. That's their power. That's their true strength. Their strength is in procrastination. Their strength is to put off what you can have, amen, today until tomorrow. But I'm here to tell you today, I know whom I serve. I know whom I believe. That there is deliverance here today. There's power to set free today. There's healing and deliverance today. And I know also with the surety that if there seems to be a delay with him, it's not without cause and it's not without purpose. It's not because he's just wanting me to have a few more boils come up on my body. That's not his purpose. He has a reason. He has a purpose. But more so than not, I see through Scripture, immediately something took place. Immediately something happened. You don't have to fear. You don't have to wait. Can we bow our heads all across this place? Bow our heads all across this place. Perhaps there could be some center of the sound of my voice. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.